When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. In my way-too-early preseason 2021 poll, I have Nebraska number one as they work to defend their first national title in over 20 years. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Hey, if you ever wondered what it'd be like to follow Uncle Rico on Twitter, go ahead and pop on over to Harrison Beck's page. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting <laughs> viewing over there, but be warned, this is not uh, anything below R rated. <laughs> uh, Mr. Beck is a character, that is uh, for certain. Also with Boomer. Well, I'd like to announce tonight I have signed with the uh, Go Southern CalCast, and while I have finished speaking this sentence, I have also left the Go Southern CalCast. <laughs> For a brighter uh, opportunity of somewhere course, else, absolutely. I presume. Professional right, Boomer? Yep. Yes, probably a pro podcast of some sort, you know. Um, yeah, there's been some uh, coaching carousel action going on lately of interest. We'll uh, cover that here in a bit. Um Honky, maybe you want to uh, kick us uh, off with maybe just a little bit of our wrap-up of our, our bowl season. Uh, last night was the national championship game, and um, honestly, it was a pleasant surprise to watch Clemson just throttle Alabama, and uh, I have to take a little bit of pleasure in seeing uh, that SEC school and, and Nick Saban really struggle to perform <laughs> versus uh, an ACC school like Clemson. Yeah, it's two out of three there for Clemson, and they, they in their own right, are uh, uh, quite a program, but it definitely knocks down Alabama a bit. Honky, what did you see last night? Uh, I took great pleasure in, in watching that victory for Clemson, as did uh, our Redcast Bowl Pick'em winner, Vanilla Mamba, who used that victory to get to 552 points and win the uh, the Redcast Pick'em. So. Congratulations. Congratulations, Vanilla. Right. Yeah. Um, I was hey. happy... I was happy for myself personally, but uh, I was happy to see Alabama lose. Oh, Honk, I ha- could I, Honk, could yeah. I interject? What, what does Vanilla Mamba win for winning? The uh, Red Boomer's Cash? in charge of prizes. Boomer? Well, the initial prize was to uh, a FaceTime session watching Honky eating leftover shrimp cocktail from New Year's <laughs> Eve. Uh, we did decide for safety purposes it's probably best not to have him eat those leftovers. Plus, there weren't any anyway. <laughs> so, uh, what Vanilla Mamba will be winning is a autographed 8x10 glossy photo of Honky actually consuming shrimp cocktail on New Year's Eve. So, we do have a nice <laughs> photo. Um, so, Vanilla Mamba, if you can get in touch with us on Twitter or uh, email and get us your mailing address, we will get that out to you and we'll uh, share the image with... Uh, with our uh, followers on our social media as well. So. That is special. I and imagine that, that's and it was homemade shrimp cocktail too, Dave. We didn't fool oh. around. So. Uh, no, no heavens, homemade no. Homemade shrimp so. cocktail. What is what is that? You pull the you pull the cap off yourself or? Oh no! That, I, I devein and deshell the shrimp myself and what? Know, soak them in a brine and then roast them in the oven or broil them in the oven for several minutes and. Are you kidding make me? My own, no, Nobody make my does own shrimp that. sauce. Yeah, well, I'm a, I do that. That's well, an I'm, insane I'm a professional amount of work. Here. Yeah. 
and was that a good honky. That had to have cost more than twelve ninety nine a ring. Not really, actually. It's surprisingly affordable. So I don't know about. And that. honky was a good. <laughs> so. it, it was it was delicious. But if we Thank get you. back to the to the bowl games, and, oh, and oh, night, I know. oh, hockey's all I business this tonight. Apparently, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I digress. Well, I, yeah. I want to talk about Alabama losing. It's fun. All right. Right? Okay, we can do it's that too. It's fun to talk about Alabama losing. It's fun to talk about the SEC losing. Because as we saw today with, you know, Mississippi State finishing ahead of Iowa in the polls despite losing to Iowa and having a worse record. And, just you know, we saw Georgia finishing ahead of Texas in the polls despite, you know, getting handed pretty well by, by Texas in the bowl game. Even when the SEC loses, they don't lose. So last night they lost. It was – there's no spin on it. They lost, you know, and it was fun. It was fun to watch a collapse of a team like, like – Alabama, they'll be back. Don't get me wrong. We have a we have a, a poll out there right now on Twitter, you know, asking, and it'll be out there for the rest of the week, asking which team Clemson or Bama won't make it next year if you had to pick between the two. But but we know Bama's not going anywhere. But it was fun for one night to watch it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, Mac, watching that game, I, I fully expected Alabama to make a run in the second half. You know, Clemson's up. By what 15, 16 points there at halftime. We've seen that before with Alabama. Last year, Georgia was up on them. Alabama comes back. And, um, you know, some really interesting play calls there, some struggles in the red zone, turnovers by Alabama. Not your typical Alabama performance. They seem out of sync. Um, I listened to a lot of national stuff today, and uh, some of the blame has gone on to Nick Saban's coaching staff. There's a lot of turnover that happens there on an annual basis, practically. Um, do you, what, what did you see there with, with, with that game and why Alabama struggled to perform? Yeah, his sideline demeanor was interesting that game. For a guy who's normally pretty volatile, there were a few plays that I thought, oh, I can't wait to see Saban on, the, on this one. He's going to be going crazy, a penalty here. And he was mostly okay, or, or that blocked that stupid, you know, uh, fake field goal they tried, or the yeah. next mixed extra point. I mean, that was something else. I'm like, well, he's just not going that crazy. He was trying to keep him pumped up. So that was kind of strange. But, you know, the game itself, it's kind of one of the first times I truly felt like I'm watching uh, equal level athletes on both sides of the ball. And uh, it, those were some good players out there, man. And Alabama wasn't necessarily playing bad, but Clemson was making some big-time plays. That number eight for them, uh, that freshman from loss. Alabama, yeah, he made Blake Lawrence look good a couple times, like really good a couple times. And, you know, Alabama was there. And that's usually – that. those are the kind of plays that tend to go Alabama's way. Those are the ones that tend to get bumped up in the air and then they pick them off and run them the other way. All the stuff that usually goes for Alabama seemed to be going Clemson's way last night, starting off with that pick six. You know, they, they were prepared and they were ready to go. They weren't intimidated. They never act afraid of Alabama at all. And it was a fun game to watch. I mean – I know the whole setup kind of got a lot of scrutiny going into it, but, you know, Clemson made that game more fun to watch than I think most people were thinking could be. So it was good for college football that they won. Oh, great for yeah. it. I, th- I think you hit on something important on that game there, uh, Mac, is the fact that Clemson's not intimidated by Alabama. I, I think, you know, if you look back when you watch the Oklahoma game with Alabama, that first quarter got away from Oklahoma in a hurry, and I think they were kind of intimidated when that game first started. And next thing you know, they're down 28. Once they finally got a little footing under them, you know, Oklahoma played pretty well against Alabama. I mean, they were, you know, fairly competitive against them and, you know, certainly didn't look as bad as that first quarter made them look out to be. But a team like Clemson, you know, they've played Alabama how many times now and beaten them several 
and they know they have athletes that can compete with them. They're not falling for that Alabama mystique that they're some unbeatable team that, you know, they're never going to have a chance at. They're always going to come back. Breaks are never going to go your way. When you think the breaks are going to go your way, a lot of times they do. So, you know, sometimes you make your own luck in games when these things happen. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point, Boomer. I mean, Clemson definitely uh, did not come into that game intimidated, whereas uh, even Georgia last year when they had the lead or, again, here in the SEC championship game this year, uh, like I said, it just felt inevitable that Alabama was going to make a run, and uh, Georgia does not have that um, attitude that Clemson brings into that game. And I think you could also – I mean, offensively, Clemson was was really good at the skill position players with some true freshmen and sophomores. Those guys are going to be good next year. That offensive line played a phenomenal game versus a very good Alabama defensive line. Um, and that offense produced uh, plenty of points, and that was the difference between this game and some other Alabama games earlier this year, like LSU, et cetera, where maybe the, the, uh, the opponent's defense was good enough to keep Alabama in check, but... Uh, the the opponent's offense just really didn't didn't do anything and, and mo- didn't move the needle. So uh, it's interesting, you know, that Clemson recruiting rankings. You know, I think some of the chatter on some of the local radio and and podcasts I've I've already heard is, you know, Clemson's a great model for Nebraska to look at because I think their recruiting rankings are around ten on average, right? Over the last four years, they had seven, eight, eleven, twelve uh, type ranked. Uh, classes and and that's maybe still a little bit above what you'd expect Nebraska to pull off under Scott Frost, but um, it's it's not number one or two, right? I mean, and so I think that's a interesting model: the consistency of the coaching staff, uh, good, very good recruiting classes that, and you have uh, uh, players are being developed within that program. Uh, Honky, do you feel like uh, Nebraska? Uh, can can kind of and I mean Dabo even said it in his post game like you know if we can do it anyone can well I don't know if that's really the case or not but uh, can Nebraska do something like that? Sure, I think if you listen to Dabo talk and you listen to Scott Frost talk, there's so many similarities in the fact they talk about the culture and they talk about you know to Boomer's point there not losing a game before you even play it you know not being intimidated before you get in there. Um, I heard of, I've heard a lot of excuses from Alabama since that game. Um, I've heard about the coaches, the coaching staff, and all the turnover. Well, that they do that every year, right? They just, they'll just, but they'll just recruit better and have yeah. better players. But then I've heard that you know what? They didn't have some of the talent. It's some positions. That, yeah, that's that really had. interesting. And there. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've heard the uh, the I've heard the excuse that they played out at Santa Clara and they played at Tampa two years ago and lost to Clemson out there. And when they play in settings that they're not familiar with with their neutral set, neutral site games i mean dave you were listening to that yeah. i think earlier you know, absolutely enough of the, the i don't care about the, the excuses the reality was is that that clemson could take them on one-on-one in the trenches their d-line they their four d-linemen could take on alabama's offensive line and not get blown off the offensive line of, of clemson could handle the defensive pressure and the defensive line the blitz and everything of bama and when they can do that it, it set things up well for them. It was it was just a it was a good game and, and I thought Clemson thoroughly handled them. And last but not least, Boomer, and I loved your tweet from last night about Bama and the the second the kicker missed that first kick. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer, if you would, uh would would you can you can you replicate what 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 was the tweet? Oh, I believe it was uh, when will Alabama recognize that place kickers need cars too, is that what I'm referring to? <laughs> so, uh, it is amazing how bad their special teams are. That is, I mean, it's a recurring theme with Alabama, and I don't understand, you know, 
as well, lousy as they are, they should have talent. And you think with a coach like Saban, who well, they is, let Barrett Pickering out of their own backyard. I was well, just going to mention yeah. that. Think about yeah. it. You know, we Mac, you talked about the wide receiver from Alabama that obviously you know destroyed him. But you know, we got the best kicker out of Alabama to come here. So Alabama, you know, they're recruiting wise. I mean, you, you, they can't get everybody. That's that's you have to start with that, but. Obviously, they've had some in-state misses that probably could have helped them out. Absolutely. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, other bowl observations. Uh, you mentioned uh, some Big Ten teams there. Honky, Iowa had a, a good bowl victory over Mississippi State. Did not get rewarded by getting ranked above them, but uh, still a good win. Nonetheless, Wisconsin looked good. Northwestern made a great comeback versus Utah. Uh, Purdue got thrashed. Ohio State wins. Um Overall, thoughts? Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, I, I thought the Big Ten West really represented itself well. I was surprised how well they did in all their games. You know, you know, we had a reputation of being the softest division in college football, but when bowl season came around, they looked pretty good. And I don't remember who. Yeah, I don't remember who tweeted it. And you know, some people would say, "Oh, they went three and one in bowls. That doesn't really matter." And well, imagine if we went one and three in bowls. What would everybody be saying about this division? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just going three and one this year. Over the course of the last three years, I think that the stat I saw was that the Big Ten West has the best record yeah, overall in bowls like of any division. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So. Now, we can make arguments about you know how important were those bowl games and that you know they weren't necessarily New Year's Six ones, all of that. But but the reality is is that you know the the East right now is, is holding us down. I mean, come on, Penn State, you can't <laughs> lose to Kentucky. No, that was that was bad. No. Oh, Franklin, what? Don't kick the field goal. Play bowl games to win. That's the thing I hate most about watching bowl games when they get super conservative like that. You play yeah. the game to win it. There's no next week. Nobody's going to, you know, remember if you went to overtime and lost or anything. Just I mean, play to a, win the game. That's a fireable offense in the NFL to do I that. I would think so, too. Point, I mean, because you, know? you look at a team like uh, Texas and their bowl game. They went for it on fourth and goal and or whatever, well, fourth and whatever on the 10, and they ended up beating Georgia. They played to win that game, and they won it. Now, granted, apparently we're told Georgia didn't care to be in that game, which uh, lends one to question why we should let the SEC runner-up in the Sugar Bowl anyway. If they don't care to be there, they should just you know, That's take right. the game off. But you play games to win, and look what happens. You get momentum. You get a lot of positive press going into next season. I mean, good grief, people are talking Texas up like, you know, they're, they're back, which we've heard many, many times before. So I'll That's believe right. that when I see it. But uh, well, Boomer, This is the closest you know, to them being back, though, I think, since no, the, I the Mac yeah. Brown era. I'll give them that much. Sure. Well, Boomer, I, I have seen some uh, odds out there for winning the national title next year. Texas, I believe, is at twenty-five to one, uh, yes, right sir. next to Nebraska at twenty-five to one. So we're back too, right? Uh, yeah. I'll just say Vegas doesn't build those big, fancy casinos and hotels by giving away money. So it's just uh, yeah. don't get too crazy, Husker fans, with your with your holiday cash. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard this. We're like, oh, you know, the Husker fans like to to better their own team. So. I, I guess wouldn't that actually be more tempting if Husker fans were confident next year to to give us really long odds? Like, I I'm would trying think to... so, but uh, it's just like the people that buy into the stock market when it's high, thinking, "Ooh, things are going up, and I should get in now." Yeah, same kind of thing. Ah. Just taking advantage of that mentality. So, yes, yes. Well, anyway, I do I do think it's interesting that they're at twenty five to one, but. Um, uh, there's a lot more than just getting good odds to, to win a national championship to get there, right? Uh, all right, guys, anything else uh, on the bowl season? Well, I, I want to at least briefly mention that the, the playoff expansion's not on the horizon, and that's 
that came out here a couple days ago. And to be honest, I don't want to so have a discussion. So they say. Yeah, I don't want to really have a discussion about expanding the playoffs because we've talked about that before. But more importantly, my issue with, with the playoffs isn't whether they expand it or not. It is about them rewarding the wrong things when it comes to the, to the postseason. And we've, we've talked a lot about the SEC here. We've talked a lot about how it's crazy how you don't play anyone all year and then you get into the, to the playoffs and you get into the bowls and then all of a sudden you lose those games. But those games don't matter anyways. But, but those are the chances to, to see how a team can perform in a different situation against different teams. Well, right now, the SEC has created this, this narrative. They, have, they play an eight-team schedule. You know, they play three crappy teams, at least an FCS program involved in there somehow. In Alabama's case this year, it was Louisville was their big game. Next year, it's Duke. And these are all on neutral sites. Okay, that's how SEC has, has, has handled their business. And the college football playoff has rewarded them every time along the way. Start looking at the ACC now. Clemson next year, for the first time in November, they play a Wofford. Okay, they're starting to take that, that mentality. Look at Virginia Tech, who just scheduled, thankfully, because we were all asking for this, Rhode Island to go along with Furman <laughs> and Old Dominion at home for their non-conference. They're starting the same process. The ACC is going down that, that, that map. And why wouldn't you? It has been rewarded every step along the way not to play nine-game conference schedules, not to play the big away game or the big non-conference home and away. And I think that's a really bad sign. That's a bad direction for college football to go. But I don't know who who, who steps in and turns it around. Well, the, the committee needs to, to change its ways, right? I mean, that's... Uh, I mean that their decisions are leading to those actions, right? Correct. And so the committee does evolve every you know every year, every two years. People come on and off. I've heard this already, where you know when Alvarez was on it and Osborne initially, um, that it wasn't being rewarded as much, and then those guys come off, and you don't have as um, maybe as much you know alpha dog uh, football guys on there, and uh, the administrators take over a little bit, and they are rewarding um, some 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 par scheduling. Um, and I I heard on I think it was the Audible uh, podcast where the, these FCS uh, schools uh, scheduling being on your schedule does not impact your strength of schedule. So That's Georgia nuts. can That's play crazy. one or two of these teams. And it just it's like it never happened to the strength of schedule metric. So, so Dave, it's better just off. So Dave, it's better for them to play an FCS team from a strength of schedule than yes. to play than to play a mid major lower group of five. Yep, absolutely. One hundred percent. Why wouldn't That's you? Maddening. Well that that does explain how Florida can play two FCS schools and still be rewarded the with a high strength of schedule. SOS. Yeah. And yeah, and be a top ten program and get a New Year's Six bowl. But let's be honest. I mean, yeah, they routed Michigan, but let's Michigan was crap this season against good teams. Let's let's be realistic there. But they get rewarded for this, and that it just becomes a self reinforcing thing. I mean, that's why Mississippi State stays in the top twenty five. And let's be honest, they shouldn't. I, it's yeah. Just, yeah, and why Georgia finishes ahead of Texas, and yep. we can go down the list. And the well, every Georgia loss continues. is a game that they just didn't care about. So that that's handy when you can have that in your back pocket. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Uh, to wrap this up or, or maybe just kind of segue a little bit to to I, we don't want to open up the playoff conversation again Hawk I understand yep. that but what I, I think if I heard some some arguments um, from from folks that 
the four team did just fine, or even heck, we could go down to two because no one else really deserved to be there this year, that type of stuff. Um, why would you expand to eight? I think to me right now, what we're talking about, and, and Boomer, you've used the word ossifying, right? Uh, is that the way to, to actually uh, help um, college football get healthy again is to have better access to that playoff because that's how you can uh, sell your programs from a recruiting standpoint and from a championship conference championship standpoint is if everybody feels like they're getting a shot in a 18 playoff, um, you should be able to spread the talent around oh, a little bit better and over time that's going to make a more competitive field across the board as, as long as as long as us ucf is not allowed in they lost by eight points to lsu and, and Brian greasy made it very clear that they have no business and boomer you know that as well as anyone they lost by eight points to lsu and right be damned and, and that uh, yeah, lsu team yep. didn't have nine defensive starters Oh, um, never mind the other team not having their starting quarterback. But we'll ignore that. Yeah, yes. that's right. And how many they have Georgia? no business being in any of those games outside the Cure Bowl? So, Boomer, uh, Boomer, did Georgia lose to LSU? You know, I, I seem to think they did. I believe By how so. much? Hmm. Let me check real quick. It looks like 20, 20 points. Now they deserve though. They, I mean, it's a travesty that they were not allowed into that fourteen. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, it's all about rewarding. The losses is what I was told, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, all, yeah. And the perception of those losses. Yeah, the perception of those losses. They, the reality they, they nearly wins. beat a team, and they, they lost badly to another team. So that's that's what I'm told <laughs> we're supposed to reward. So Yes. Well, they look they look the part. I mean, yeah, they passed the eye exactly. test, right? Yeah. Well, Notre Dame didn't deserve to be in because they gave up, what, 30 points? 30 to points to, yeah, Clemson. They should never be allowed in the playoffs again because they go undefeated playing no FCS schools. Yeah, we know that. So, yeah, that's, that, right. that's, that's, that's set right. in stone, but, yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's, I'm glad we're putting the the boat uh, on the 2018 season because I'm looking forward to the 2019 season. Uh, we've already seen some not too early top 25 honky. You already alluded to that, and uh, Nebraska's already showing up in some of these polls, right? I mean, that's sure. It's just fun to just talk now for the next oh, I don't know, eight months. But um, it should be a different dialogue this year in the sense that uh, Nebraska's already showing up in some top 25 polls. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, the, obviously, the 25-1 to 1 odds, which I thought were shocking. They were the same as Notre Dame, which was a team in the, the college football playoff. But but to your point, Dave, you know, odds can be – they can be triggered, you know, with some different, uh, you know, things and be, you know behind it, trying to get people to bet money. But the actual preseason polls, you have ESPN, and I've given my – Fair share of criticism of them, but they have us at number twenty-four in their way too too early one. Athlon has us at number nineteen. So what it tells me a little bit, you know, the football writers of America did their freshman uh, all-American list, and we had Adrian Martinez along with Lawrence from uh, Clemson right. for the quarterback spot. What it's telling me is we are starting to get some recognition nationally. Now we have to do something with it, obviously. It's no different than uh, Boomer. You were talking about Texas has had a couple of times over the last few years where they got good, and but is this really the, the case? But right now, I mean, I you know my thoughts on this. I I feel that I feel like a year two kind of frost thing, a, a real successful season is not out of out of line. I mean, I'm I'm talking anything. Win the division. I, I like what we have coming back, and it starts with the with an All American quarterback. Mac, I'll throw it over to you. I mean, some of these polls have 
three or four Big Ten West teams, kind of in that same 15 to 25 range, right? Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa, uh, all right there. And so it could be a really interesting dogfight there for that. But um, maybe why some of these polls have us as high as they do, not only the excitement about Adrian Martinez and momentum after the second half of the season, but also the schedule, right? I mean, yeah. they look at who we play at home in a way, and, and, and they see that it could be a big turnaround. How many close losses we had last year, et cetera. Yeah, yeah that's, I, we were just talking about that today, too. I think, you know, there's a lot of momentum, you could say, we took into the offseason. And, and I, th- I think we've got our guy at quarterback, and Frost has kind of even put the buzz in our ears about year two being, being something to watch out for. But, but I think our schedule, the way it lines up, and the fact that we were in most games with the exception of Michigan last year kind of would indicate that we have a chance to make a run here. I don't think that's – and the West is wide open. You know, that everybody kind of underperformed last year. You know, Northwestern even didn't have a great year, and they won. You know, they won. So it's yeah. like yeah. they didn't win they, a non-conference game. Yeah, I mean, that was not a great year, but they won the West. So, yeah, the, the door's wide open, and I feel like we closed the gap offensively Last year, defensively, we get this thing a little bit closer, get some playmakers. But I, I will say this, though. I, the West is getting better, too. It's not like we're going to be the only team getting better. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be good. Yeah, Iowa's got a chance to still be pretty good. Uh, Minnesota, man, I don't know. I don't know that you can just count that as a W. That's well, they're young, so you got to remember. Oh, those. I feel like <laughs> – I'm sorry. I feel like we can count Minnesota as a W, but – well, Wisconsin that thought that. And they, and they yeah. lost, but, well, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin kind of had that same thing that Michigan had towards the end of the year. They just went downhill. And, well, they uh, probably didn't want to actually play that game. They didn't care. I think they so did. They, that was the problem. They weren't interested. North, Northwestern have, has have Illinois, so that's good. So. Northwestern has uh, the Clemson, former four- or five-star Clemson guy, not yeah. um, uh, Hunter, Hunter Johnson, Johnson, I think his name is. Right? Is that Northwestern? He's going to be taking over for – Clayton Thorson, Honky's favorite uh, Big Ten West quarterback. So, um, you know, even though Adrian probably is the the um, returning all Big Ten quarterback pretty much, there could be some better quarterback talent in the league overall as well. Uh, not to mention Justin Fields at Ohio State. So, Sure. Uh, all right, anything else on, on football, guys? Well, I think, you know, the to get good next year, it all starts with what just happened yesterday, which is the beginning of the winter conditioning. Uh, it's the start of the second semester, and so uh, early enrollees, Nick Heinrich, Chris Hickman, Garrett Nelson, Luke McCaffrey, Jamie Nance, Wandell Robinson, Brent Banks, they're all here. Uh, Wandell Robinson's just a couple days removed from playing in the uh, uh, under, was it the Under Armour all No, this was just the Ar- All-American. Army All-American yeah. one. It's Ty Robinson was there, too. Either. Oh, it's not even the Army one? Uh-uh. It, but that's the game. But it is okay. Well, it's the one in San Antonio, right? It's Correct. The, okay. So, and that was with Wando Robinson. That was Ty Robinson also. Yep. And it also was uh, Bryce Benhart. Benhart. And Noah Pola And Noah Pola Gates, Pola Gates uh, who we hope to get him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've got – that's year two of Duvall. And he said he was going to come visit with his cousin after the Polynesian Bowl when he's set to announce. Now, to me, that says that would be a pretty awkward trip if you didn't commit that day. So, <laughs> I feel like that was a, that was a good sign. Well, that and he threw the bones. Yeah, I'm so. crystal. I'm crystal balling that guy for sure. Yeah, I think everybody's crystal balling it, which is great. I, I think that's he's a, great he's a, he's the kind of player we want. That he's real instinct, instinctual, physical kind of safety. That's what we need back there, guys. Some smackers. Mm-hmm. Well, as far yeah. as recruiting goes, the contact period it resumes on Friday. So right now it's still technically a dead period, but that resumes Friday. 
it'll run through February 2nd, and then on February 6th is signing day for the, the second signing day. Awesome. Yeah, and so we could get anywhere between four and, and six additional signees, kind of depending on, I guess, uh, our JUCO guys, which still seem to be up in the air, and that's uh, just kind of be uh, to be determined, I guess. So the point is we should have somewhere between 28 and 30 guys, I would guess, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I mean, Frost is always subject to change right up until the start. You know, that's that seems to be how they operate. So we'll yeah, see. and Frost yeah. has made the point: uh, thirty, I think, is what they want. They want to get yeah. thirty, yeah. and they can use all of the NCA rules, benefits of back counting, and all the stuff you talked about on the last show, Dave. Right. That's I know Frost wants to so get to if, that. So if point. the two JUCO guys for some reason fall through, they're going to have two other guys essentially. I think that's right. where they're so, at, and you know. Take this for what it's worth. Dedrick Mills, he had tweeted something that he'll be at in you in the summer. So we'll see. We'll see about that. Hopefully, hopefully he can be. But uh, Mills, the JUCO running back from Kansas, he will not be here for this semester at the very least. Right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Good stuff. Uh, and then uh, winter conditioning, spring ball kicks off. What time, guys? Uh, it's March, and they're kind of doing the same schedule that they did a year ago. Yeah. Do a week, I think, week before spring, spring break. break. Yep. Then we'll coaches clinic and and uh, spring ball or uh, spring game about two or three weeks of it after. How the many other break. schools right. go through that nonsense? It just seems so crazy to me to have the to break have the in the middle, break right in the middle there. Their spring ball. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's fairly new. I think to Nebraska. I don't, I, yeah, that's I correct. Think in the past we used to do it all right after it, but you don't want to go too late in the to April anymore. And and. and Classes, you know, sometimes depending on the school, classes can be ending at late April, early early May. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go late into that. If you have an injury, you don't want to have an injury in late sure. April. That's you, true. You know, every week sure. counts. Sure. And so, I mean, it's that kind of all plays into the scheduling a lot of times. And, the, and now also, I guess, talking about recruiting contact periods, even that plays into it because I believe there's like a – oh, geez, I don't have the exact date, but I think there's like a late April – recruiting period that starts to open up so we can actually have visits right yeah yeah, so there's times when you want to you know they just they have to schedule things out now so much when when you have dead periods when you don't and then when you want to have practices and don't and so on all right good stuff good stuff um all right honky uh, anything else uh football related we want to tackle before maybe we talk some nebraska ball since we have uh two good months before spring ball kicks off no, I think uh, let's let's talk a little basketball, a little hardwood. Nebraska ball. All right, fellas, let's talk some Nebraska ball. Uh, a little bit of a rough week there for Tim Miles and crew uh, back into Big Ten action, and it was uh, two road games, uh, one at Maryland uh, midweek, and then Iowa over the weekend, and did not get one of those elusive road victories. Um, some panic buttons are being hit across uh, Nebraska. We're not very good Nebraska basketball fans. We don't know how to respond. A team that's supposed to be winning some of these games, and when they go and lose a game or two, it seems like everybody freaks out. At least that's my opinion. Uh, and, you know, the Maryland game, Boomer, I do think was very winnable. Honestly, it should have been won. They're up by eight, and Maryland is a younger team. And the uh, crowd there in College Park was not much to be uh, had, but it just uh, it didn't work out. The Iowa game, I think, was a much more difficult matchup, and, and uh, the refs seemed to have it out for us there. Uh, what are your takes on uh, the struggles this week? Yeah, I, I'd agree with uh, I think both of those games were disappointing 
losses for their own unique reasons. Like I said, Maryland was a game they should have won. I mean, that's especially coming off the Minnesota one they let get away. You should have a you had a chance to beat Maryland on the road. I mean, Maryland's not ranked yet, but they're not a bad team, and there's no question about it. They're, no, I think they're, they're a good really basketball good team. team, so that they would have been Minnesota. a great chance for that win. Yeah, and. Yeah. And you were you were ahead on those guys. You gotta you gotta put those games away. The disappointing thing about Iowa is that I would have thought that after coming off you know losing to Minnesota when he had that game and coming off of Maryland, he let slip away. I thought they'd come out and play with a little more urgency or uh, you know a little more energy against Iowa than they really showed. I mean that's not it's not a great Iowa team either. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean they're good. They're ranked, but they're not. You know, they're certainly not Michigan State or anything like that, or Michigan. You know, they're not going to make a deep tournament run or anything like that. That's a team you, uh, a senior-laden Nebraska team, should be able to compete with and, and beat. But, like, in the second half of that game, I don't think we ever even tied it, let alone led in the second half, did we? No, we did not. Probably got within three or four. I mean, one point, maybe three. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and that was the most disappointing part about it. It's just, you know, the, the opportunities for those road wins are here. And this team needs to take those and get them. I mean, road wins are going to be the difference. You know, let's just assume we defend home court and do well. I mean, you know, road wins are a difference between, you know, a couple seeds probably in the NCAA tournament. And that can make a huge difference too. I mean. No, absolutely. If this team is what we think it could be or what we're told it could be, let's go that route, they need to win some of these games. And, I, you know, and it is a long season. I understand that. And we hear that. You know, they've got 16 games to go. But at some point, they actually have to win these games. I mean, eventually the season is not going to be that much longer. You're not going to have a whole lot of opportunities to get big road wins. So they need to step up and take them when they're there. And that's kind of been sure. the disappointing part so far. They they haven't done so. I hear you. Hockey, what are your, your takes? I know you watch both games. Yeah, it's just tough to see them lose. I mean, that's this is the team for Nebraska right now. I mean, this is as talented of a team as I think we're going to have You know, most years. And it is coupled with having, uh, you know, a lot of experience. So when we're playing Maryland and we're struggling with their freshmen, now those freshman guys are good players and they could be one and done kind of guys. But it's not like, you know, we have chopped liver going up against them. We have, if you want to use the recruiting rankings, five-star Copeland and four-star Roby going up against their big guy freshmen and, and, and we're struggling in those games. Having said that, we're losing them closely. They are we're one and three with three losses being road losses against you know teams that are either ranked or very close to being ranked, and I guess vice versa. If you look at the 2016-17 season, we started three and zero in Big Ten play. We had road wins at Maryland and Indiana, and then the bottom fell out. So you know these first three or four games aren't going to guarantee anything one way or the other. But obviously, we got to start getting some wins. Mac, as the uh, kind of fair weather fan, uh, is a start like this just kind of turn you off entirely, or do you just not want to engage yet? Uh, you worry your heart's going to be broken. <laughs> uh, you know, they're about right where I thought they were. To be real honest with you, I I was kind of curious to see how this team would respond when they're not having a very good shooting night, particularly on the road, and they didn't respond very well. So, uh, and Iowa was shooting pretty well, and. They were. I don't know. We have sometimes. I feel like we fall in love with those jump shots and those three when we're even just a little bit down, and then it just you know, cascades on us. So that's a little disappointing because it is a veteran team. You'd think they they would try to, you know, create a little bit. Honestly, some of the some of the play calls were there. We were just not shooting well from anywhere some of those times. So I don't know that the lack of a true guy to take over a game sometimes still stands out to me. You know, you think JPJ can do it, but then he just he just goes quiet. He's a ghost sometimes. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting that dynamic on this team in the sense that sometimes it feels like James Palmer can take over, but he's like almost choosing not to. And it's funny, in these two losses, I've actually seen Isaac Copeland play really, really well. And, and actually, I think it bodes well for the future that Copeland is stepping up his game here. They just need to kind of get that kind of the synergy uh, back on the offensive side of the ball so both Palmer and Copeland and everyone else contributes. Mm-hmm. Well, think about the consistent think about what's been consistent in the losses that we've had we haven't lost to like teams that have had like five guys all consistently scoring against us it's usually been one or two big dudes and minnesota had the uh that one i don't know was a forward guy that jordan murphy off. and then amir coffee. coffee coffee that was the guy that i was thinking of there and, and you know he goes off and then against uh you know maryland it wasn't all five guys it was they had their big dude underneath, and then they had that one guard that went out and scored yeah, twenty some points was, or whatever. About twenty. And yeah. We had trouble, you know, stopping one or two dudes. Was what it was about. What this team, what this Husker team, is supposed to be about this year is that we have those one or two dudes, or three or four. But it, my goodness, trying to get them to all show up on any one given night or really take over in these kind of games, in these close road games, we just haven't had that yet. And it's even with a co- you know, Copeland will step up one game. But then, who's the other guy coming with him? You know. Yeah, sure. We're we're just not getting that that consistent play at the high level that, that we need those one or two guys every game to show up and and sometimes that we're 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 only getting one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you want to ask me, you know, what am I worried about? I mean, to your point there, like Iowa, we gave up ninety three points to Iowa. I mean. These road games, we—I mean, defense is going to win some of these road games, right? And giving up 93 to Iowa is not a not a good thing. We we should be able to to play better defense than that, um, and uh, that that's going to going to have to change if we're going to win a few of these games on the road. And uh, then overall, just uh, the offensive consistency. Uh, you know, it's interesting if you watch these games. You think about the games we've won, right? I mean, right now we have such a good um, resume by a by the metrics, the the strength of schedule, and all these different things because we beat Seton Hall by twenty, and and Creighton, who has a very good RPI right now, and and Clemson on the road, Oklahoma and, State just beat Texas, o- right? Right, exactly. And in a lot of those games, I'd say three of the four there, Clemson's the exception. We won a road game and. It was a tight one. The other three, we just looked great. We just blew them out, right? I mean, offensively, a lot of easy points on on transition buckets. Things were falling early, and we just kept on applying that pressure in the second half, and and we made things look really easy. And the games we've lost here, the offense has not come as easy, right? And we need to be able to figure out how to to get that transition game and easy buckets instead of like the max point. We're missing everything. It's Iowa. We got to get some more easy buckets, and then everything starts to work better for that offense. And that that's a uh, we just got to be able to fight through that. And those guys need to need to figure that out and, and figure it out pretty soon because, I mean, to hockey's point, they do need to win a few of these road games. These are just two of them. It was disappointing they let, let them go, but they got. Another eight more opportunities, approximately, and they got to take advantage of that and win a few of them. Yeah, I mean that's what's interesting is as we've lost games, we've had all this other stuff, all the all the metrics, which drove me crazy a year ago, and partially drive me crazy right now too, because it's like we seem to keep moving up or, or staying steady at least in, in the, the metrics, even as we're losing games. And at some point, that you know you got to win some games, right? This isn't about getting into the NCAA tournament. This season, at least, has never been about that. 
At least it isn't to me. It's never been about making the tournament. This is a team that needs to make the tournament and win games. That, that to me, is what this team is about. It, I mean, and I think that's realistic with this team. And so that a lot of that starts with your seeding. And I think, Dave, were you mentioning that the projections right now show us everything from like a 5 to a 12 or 5, five to a 13? 5 to 11. Yeah, five averaging to 11. a 6. Yeah, averaging a 6. Yeah. I mean, we need to be a 5. We need to be a 6. That's what this type of team needs to be. I mean, I – we can limp in. I know we can limp into the NCAA tournament with this team as a 10 or 11 seed, but that's not the progress and where, where I, yeah. the expectation I have for this season. I think the expectation these guys have, the reason that all of them came back when they could have done different things. They could have, they at least had options if they wanted to not come back. But we have a senior-laden team because we have guys that came back and they, they looked at this season as a as a making, you know, defining the program and doing some history-changing you know things for your for Nebraska. Well, it start you got to start winning some of these games, and I'm I'm confident they can. I'm not jumping off any ledges, but man, they they've they've given up a couple of games that they just flat out shouldn't have. Maryland and, and Minnesota immediately come to mind, and the Iowa performance just. Dave, you you mentioned you thought Iowa was just you thought that was going to be a tough one for them, matchup wise, and yeah, I mean you look at Iowa's post players, even though they're young, and we just don't have that type of. I mean, this is where Jordy would have came in really handy this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That would have made that a, a different look, I think. Um, Roby isn't going to be able to defend that very easily. You saw Borchert and others in there um, more often in that game and just wasn't enough. Um, I kind of went away with that in the second half, and we did you know, close that gap, and it wasn't for Bohannon hitting some threes. We might have really had him in that second half, but we just couldn't hit a three, and they did hit threes, and that's why they ended up winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, looking forward, we do have Penn State uh, on Thursday here. About when this podcast probably will get released, maybe we'll beat it. Uh, that is a game. It's a home game. That's a that's a must win in my opinion. There's no excuse for that. ESPN um, two. So we'll yeah, be on the that's right. Eight p.m. Uh, and then um, Indiana on Monday night. Um, so no weekend game. I don't know if that's a big Monday game or something, but that's that that's at Indiana. That should be a great opportunity. There's another chance to get that win, and then Michigan State comes to town after that. Um, so it's just going to be every week we're going to have this, guys. I mean, there's I think you know 16 games left. 11 of them are probably going to be against really really good teams, and uh, we just got to win our fair share. We, we've got a lot of games here at home because we start, started with all these road games in the Big Ten. That's a place we've won a lot recently. So. Uh, I think that looks uh, favorable. So, out of the sixteen remaining, how many do you think we need to win to get a get in the tourney and get a decent seed? To get a decent seed, I think yeah, if yeah. We, we just went ten and ten in in conference. We would be uh, probably a seven or eight seed, something like that, um, and be comfortably in. That'd be my 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 guess. If if you can go eleven and nine, twelve and eight, you you are looking at that five seed range. Do we get ranked again? Do you think we get ranked again this season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If if we do that, yeah, to Boomer's point, the opportunities are there. I mean, we go and and beat Penn State, which we should, and then if we could beat Indiana on the road and beat Michigan State at home, we're ranked right away again. Not even a question. Yeah, you've got a lot of home games against teams that are good yet. I mean, Michigan State. Yeah. We, we got Ohio State at home. I think, you know, Wisconsin comes here. Maryland will come here. Yeah, Maryland Iowa comes here come again. 
you know. Return the favor. I mean, part of the downside is, you know, we don't have a ton of opportunities for road, for, you know, big road wins that are really winnable. We've got Indiana, and then I think towards the end of the year, we get Michigan and Michigan State both on the road back to back. Those are going to be tough. I mean, it'll be tough. Yeah, so there aren't a whole lot of huge road wins. I think we play Purdue on the road, and they're borderline rankable teams. So, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, there's opportunities to get some road wins, but they need to start taking advantage of those pretty quick. So, yeah, part of the reason why I asked that. It could or can we be ranked again, or will we be ranked by season's end? Is because how does ranking in the polls equate to seeding in the tournament? You know, if you're twenty, or if you're twenty to twenty-five in the polls, does that nope. mean you're a four to five seed? No, doesn't. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen teams that are ranked in the top twenty-five uh, get seeded way below that, and I've seen teams ranked just outside the top 25 ended up getting like a, a four seed or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, it is more about the metrics at that point where they're looking at formerly RPI now net and all the things on that resume, which dictate uh, where you get seated. So, so, and, and to that point, as frustrated as I was with metrics a year ago when we were winning games to your point, Dave, right now, the metrics are in our favor. I mean, if we ended up yeah. 28th in the polls, we still could end up being a four or five seed if the metrics yeah, especially Said if you finish so. – yeah, if you got some good quality wins in the Big Ten, uh, like Boomer saying, let's say if we go on the road and beat a Michigan State on the road or something like that, uh, especially late in the year like that, uh, that's going to look very favorable. So mm-hmm. there, there's plenty of opportunities there to build a resume that gets you the seating that you want. Uh, they just got to win those games. All there is to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at the, um, the list of uh, – WarrenNolan.com does a nice thing where they actually project out like your team sheet, et cetera, right? And um, you know, even right now, I mean, they, they have Creighton still at the end of the year could potentially be a top 25 RPI game, right? And so that, that Creighton becomes a great win if that, that holds up, you know? Well, and even the stat they were showing on BTN against Iowa, we were 3-3 three and three going into the Iowa game against top 50 RPI or whatever yeah. they call it. And that was the – we were tied with the playing the most – teams yeah. in the top 50 in the country and then we played our seventh by playing Iowa so I mean yeah the, the schedule is going to the schedule and all those metrics are going to be favorable for us if we do our part and don't and specifically I guess you mentioned Penn State Thursday night like how important metrics wise not to lose to a team that we shouldn't lose to yeah, maybe pretty, Penn State's not that team but just pretty important I mean it you know, anybody can lose to anyone, so, I mean, it's not like um, it kills you, but we don't have a bad loss right now, right? And that's a great mm-hmm. thing. You, you know, everything we have is what you term good losses or acceptable losses. Uh, the more uh, you can have that type of resume where you just haven't lost anybody, sure, they want to show you want to, they want to, the committee wants to see uh, you beat good teams on the road or neutral site. That's where we're saying we still need to get those wins. But it's nice when you don't have any anything dragging you down, and that's what we yeah. have right now. Yeah. And you don't want to have any any hiccups. Yeah, and I think the other key thing with beating Penn State is that helps kind of just shift the narrative a little bit because you know you said like the one year we started you know three and zero and the bottom fell out. Well, right now we're one and three, and the bottom could fall out. You know, you lose to Penn State, that's your third Big Ten loss in a row. You're one and four, and then you're on the road to Indiana and Sparty coming in. You know that can hurt confidence. You know because then you you punctured that. You know the home court being such yeah, a tough place for everyone to play, and you could be looking at 
two more losses. I mean, realistically, playing Indiana, and Michigan State, and then you're oh yeah, yeah. Then yeah. you're gosh, you're one and six in conference to start, and things snowball in a hurry from that point. So it, it might be tough turning it around. So I think Penn State's it's important. Uh, it's a winnable game. Penn State's not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. So that's why they need to go out, get some confidence back, and you just set a set a good tone for Indiana. So yeah, there needs to be some home cooking. No no doubt about it. Um, and uh, just get themselves right for a, a, an opportunity to win a game on the road at Indiana uh, before Michigan State comes. So uh, it's it's definitely an interesting stretch here. And uh, we knew the Big Ten was going to be a gauntlet. It's already proven to be. It's completely opposite of last year in the sense that uh, you're just talking about that group one wins, essentially, right, and losses. And we already have seven of those, essentially. And last year, I don't, at the end of the year, I don't think we even had seven games uh, against top 50-type opponents. So this year, we're going to have, you know, well well into the double digits. And so it's just going to be a very different uh, profile. So just got to win games. All right, guys. Uh, anything else on, on basketball? All right, Hunk, let's head into that mailbag, man. All right. Well, uh, we had a couple of weeks go by here, so we've had – number of different questions that came in and I want to first pick a, a stat of the day that came to us from pink man. He sent it today. No question. Just, just a, a nice comment that uh, coaches Nick Saban and Scott Frost still have the same number of undefeated seasons. So I thought that was Snap. a, I thought that's a nice little, uh, that's uh, an amazing stat. stat is it, really it is not? Think about it. Yeah. 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 Saban I'll, uh, only has one undefeated year. Was that his first uh, title at Alabama? Yeah, I think it was 2009. Boomer, you might be able to look that up, but I think he went 14 and 0 one hmm. one time, and that's, that's really it. extraordinary. I, like I mean, it just him. just doesn't compute really there. But yeah, I mean, he, that he consistently loses a game at least one you know yep. a year, and uh, well, he plays in the SEC, of course. It's imp- it's impossible. <laughs> well, those losses aren't to SEC teams most of the time, but that's not the point. That's not the everything point. is through the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Well, they played the bad. Citadel for their non-conference, so yeah, they're not going to lose too many of those. Yeah. yeah, and you're correct; it was 2009, so that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but we had a question from Bill from Cheyenne, and this kind of goes along the line with this uh, Bama. Uh, he asked, "Is uh, is?" And this is a couple weeks ago was when he asked it, obviously. Is is this Bama 2018 team the greatest of all time? And <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Obviously the answer, yeah. we know the answer to that. But I, I think it's more a discussion I kind of want to have. And we have a Twitter poll on it right now, which people did not catch the sarcasm that I had yeah. where I asked. It's uh, hard over Twitter, man. It's hard. <laughs> well, the, the question is something along the lines of, you know, according to the world of ESPN, which undefeated national champion is the greatest of all time, 2005 USC or 2018 Alabama? And we had many followers very adamantly tell us it's the 1995 Nebraska Huskers. And what they failed to realize is that those two teams I mentioned, 05 USC and 2018 Alabama, uh, they were neither undefeated nor did they win national titles. But they were teams <laughs> at ESPN and many others in the media you know, had just clamored to, to call the greatest of all time before yeah. their season got done. Like, just wait a minute. Let the games be played before we'd like to throw greatest of all time out there. And I guess part of my question here, I guess, because Bill's question is, since it is a moot point, it's like, why is there such a this this feeling like we have to we have to proclaim the next team all the time the greatest every sure. year? There's a greatest, and and I mean I'm fine with with you know, leaving that at pretty high 
level of play you have to be to be called that. And that's one of the reasons why a team like 95 Huskers, which I think is the greatest, it stands the test of time because because they did right. things that other teams aren't doing right now. Other teams have close games all the time and incredible comebacks. That 95 team went right through it. Yeah, if they were to smoke Clemson, that would have been a different story today. You know, that was – especially, you know, now that we think Clemson might be a good team. You know, well, they, they Mac, actually had a great run. Yeah, Mac, actually, to that point, I, I heard on the radio today, I think it was Sirius XM, someone was like, well, maybe Clemson's the greatest team of all time. I mean, yeah, they right, really that just was never the, the narrative, right? The narrative. No one ever like, said that about Clemson all year. No one. <laughs> and then they beat the greatest they team They started running time. down the, their their wins, you know. And you're like, hey, they beat that really good Boston College team. I'm like, what the <laughs> yeah. heck yeah, are you they, guys saying? They needed a score with 40 seconds left to beat Syracuse. So come on, I guys. know. Breaks on. Well, and, and and, when and we're the problem about... with it is, yeah, it's just, for a lot of people, history begins every morning they wake up. So people <laughs> yeah. have no idea what goes on. Guilty. And, you know, it was one of the and, things and, that, you know, I, I made fun of it on Twitter, and, you know, it, it went on with the broadcast, too, about how everyone's talking about, how, oh, this is the first college football team to ever go at 15-0, and 0. and no, it's not. I mean, granted, it was 1897 Penn Quakers football, but, you know, college football And 1894 played, Yale. Right, but they went 16-0, and 0, so a technicality on that end, so, I mean, they're... Football's been played for a long time. Everything's probably happened at least once. So just yeah, be aware of your history here, folks. And you know, there's a lot of things that went on before TV, before Twitter, before before hey, anything. So hey, just embrace the, your yeah, past, folks. To know. that point, really quick, Boomer, wasn't the LSU a Texas A&M game? ESPN quickly labeled it the highest scoring game oh, of yes. all time. Yeah, course, yeah. Then then Georgia all of a Tech they had beat to Cumberland that. College two hundred and something to nothing. At one yes, point, yeah. Right? They quickly had to amend what they said there, and, and then they tried to say, "Oh, they, you know, it was the highest scoring FBS game of all time." And yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> it's just yeah. There's a history, I, folks. Embrace it. When, when we talk about anything being the greatest of all time, it's okay to have very high standards with it, and it's one of the reasons why it drives me crazy. Like this Alabama team this season, when you see teams playing the Citadel and the schedules that these teams play and you go back to a team like 95 Nebraska you can't compare 95 Nebraska to 2018 Alabama I don't think you can you can't cross over generations like that but what you can compare is how did a team play against and dominate against teams of its era of of that same season and Nebraska in 95 dominated four teams that ended up in the top 10 so it it played the schedule it played Kansas K-State Colorado whether people think of those teams as being great teams or not they were top 10 teams that year sure then it plays florida dominates florida to never be behind in games and to to, to just you know after uh, the the record they had against top 10 or the average ga- uh, points per game against the top 10 teams was like 42 to 10 or something with the with the victories it was insane that that to me is the bar when we're talking about greatest of all time. So, Boomer, your point about hey, you had to score forty seconds left to beat Syracuse. Hey, you you had to you know hold on at the last second at A and M. Nothing against A and M there, but those are the things that Clemson had to do. And right. Bama, I mentioned it after they after they beat Georgia. I go, they've already they're not the greatest of all time anymore. They had to come back from two touchdowns down in the third quarter. They had lost that that standard. That absolutely ridiculously high standard, which is I think okay when we're talking about the greatest ever. They didn't. Well, that, that ninety-five team only beat Washington State by fourteen hockey. They were up twenty-eight to seven on on Washington. I think State. it was thirty-five kind of seven actually. Well, it was twenty-eight right. to seven. It was twenty-eight to seven, and then they they put the backups in. Washington State scored two touchdowns late. Osborne's like, oh man, so he throws all the starters back in. They score one more touchdown, and they win. 
35 to 21. But yeah. uh, I mean, to, to your point, I mean Alabama, or maybe it was Max point actually. If Alabama would have beat Clemson 44-16, switch the score there. Um, you, even though the Georgia game was a comeback, you would have had an Alabama team that would have beat Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, and a top LSU. ten LSU. Yeah. Right? Sure. They would have had four. Uh, and three of the four being very convincing wins potentially, and and so it would have been getting closer to that where it, they were undefeated with uh, you know a lot of quality wins, all that type of stuff. So, I think the thing what I, I find interesting, Hunk, really quick, and I'll turn it back over to you, is that I see, I see a lot of the national pundits when they typically want to claim this, oh, that's the greatest team of all time, like Duke right now in basketball being claimed as the greatest team of all time. They they judge that so much off of the talent that's been collected on those rosters. And they, they can't get over the fact that kids today have to be more talented than what they were in 1995 because they're bigger and they're more physical and they mm-hmm. do, you know all those type of things. And I think that that's what in their head is like, there's no way that 2018 Alabama would ever lose in 1995 Nebraska or now 2001 Miami. Uh, or whatever it is, because they they're just they have to be better athletes now, and I think that's where a lot of that talk comes from. That's just my yeah. Take. And I just and I agree with you, and I also think the premise of it is bad to try to compare. I agree. How yeah. how one team would do? You know, how would you do against 1971 Nebraska when you had 220 pound defense alignment and they were huge? You know, yeah. it's not the point to to compare versus that. It's how did you do against who was the most dominant against like competition of its era? And I, you know, ninety five to me still, but but ESPN, yeah, I think that's I'm a good sure point. Clemson would have a hard time. Yeah, twenty eighteen Clemson would have a hard time. Uh, their their passing attack would have a difficult time with eighteen ninety seven pen rules in place. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I think that the the point about Duke basketball was interesting too. Dave was like the day that uh, right before Duke was going to play Gonzaga, and who is the guy, Dave? He's an ESPN guy, but he's from Duke. Um, uh, shoot, I, I can't think of his name. But the point is, he had tweeted out something about how this Duke team is, you know, could beat pro teams, it could win in the right. NBA, and then they went out and they lost it to Gonzaga. Why – what's the rush? And this gets back to your point, Dave, about Alabama. If they would have won last night. Absolutely right. If. It's a big if. And we keep claiming these teams as being greatest of all times. And it's like, let the stinking – before we claim it, let's just let the season in. Let's let them actually play these games out. Because the one thing that bothers me about it, too, is it helps to brand the narrative. The narrative, the yeah. SEC, they're the greatest of all time. Let the stinking season play out. And don't worry, they're going to lose, and when they lose, it's going to be because they didn't want to play anyways. And they lost to a freshman quarterback. Yeah, Blake Lawrence right. is great and everything like that, but he is a true freshman quarterback. Didn't even start the season for him. So, I mean, that just kind of puts another hole in that greatest of all time. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, hockey, I think it's just too. it's just clearly a, a, almost a clickbait thing, right? I mean, uh, you know, it's something to talk about. It's what people want to talk about. I mean, if you were reasonable about things, uh, we we wouldn't be even having this discussion right now, right? Correct. So, it, it and if if I wasn't concerned that clickbait led to maybe decisions that are being made at the college football playoff level, that's where that's where you you hear a lot of the conspiracy stuff from me, and now I'm bringing up the ACC scheduling and all that. Is that I am really concerned that these narratives, these ESPN narratives, these clickbait narratives are actually having an effect. Yeah, like the committee falls for it. If the, if the committee falls for it. And if we're starting to say, if the ACC is starting to follow the SEC's scheduling habits and, you know, good luck playing, uh, you know, getting 
Clemson scheduled in the future because unless we play him at a neutral site in Charleston, you know, I mean, it, that's <laughs> is that the future of, of this sport? Because well, that, that it drives me crazy. That's the mistake. Don't you know? As the Big Ten doesn't do that, I don't think we should chase that behavior because why? Why is college football attendance down? Because you're giving your fans oh. dog s games to come and go. Virginia, to. Like, why would you spend that? Yeah. Kind? It's not like you're discounting the price. It's not yep. like it's a twenty dollars ticket. If you are a Hokie fan right now, look, look at the look at the Hokies' home schedule next year, and they should be ashamed to ask their their season ticket well, holders yeah. to buy those. So I mean, like it's they're going to do it to themselves. There's a. Now, you, know, you play good home games. You're, you reward your home crowd. You stop taking your show on the road, yeah. and robbing yeah. your fans. But, and, and you have you have um, you have Saban, who's several times, even as good as Alabama is, Saban has chastised his fans at times for not showing up to games. Well, stop giving them Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette yeah. games. Give them a good schedule. Give them a good non-conference home game. You can't because you keep going non, you know, well, we, to some neutral site. We have seen the SEC, some schools here, uh, we've had this discussion on many podcasts. They've sure. actually started to schedule some better home and uh, away or home and home matchups, however you like to say it. And so um, that's it. it's interesting uh, that ACC may be trending. It's not that the SEC is getting rid of the F- FCS schools or changing their amount of conference games, but they do seem sure. to have some better – uh, home and home matchups coming up in the future. Yeah, well, like Georgia twenty twenty nine has like Georgia Tech, Texas, and Notre Dame all non conference. Now, yeah. granted, that's ten years from now, and in, in SEC lifetimes, I mean that those games can be changed. I think over. half of those should be conference games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those, I mean, they can change those games over a hundred times between now and then. But anyways, yep. All right, Thanks, anything Bill. else? <laughs> that's right. We we can turn anything into a good ten minutes of podcast. That's right. If if you like to send us any questions or uh, you know any comments, uh, uh, gobigredcast at gmail or at gobigredcast on Twitter, Facebook, and our Instagram page. Excellent. All right, let's uh, get out of here, guys, with some parting shots, hockey. All right. Well, it's been a few weeks, so I do have a couple of things to to mention. Not a surprise there, and. Unfortunately, I have to, to start on a, on a sad note. George Sullivan, the uh, longtime Nebraska athletic trainer, uh, he was athletic trainer for 20 years, but he was on the medical staff for more than 50 years. Uh, he passed away on Christmas, and uh, so our condolences go out there. He was inducted into the National Athletic Trainer Hall of Fame in 1976, and Memorial Stadium's athletic director, athletic training room is named uh, for him. So uh, he was there for all the titles. He was there for Devaney and Osborne. Um, you know, so great guy, and, and it's sad to see that happen. Um, Coach Solich, want to mention him right now. He's in Nebraska. He's in the state this week. He's, uh, I think he's going to be at the Outland Award Banquet, mm-hmm. but he's receiving the Tom Osborne Legacy Award, and it's so cool to see him back here. I was watching tonight on, on TV. They, they did an interview with him. It's just great to see him back in the area, and uh, we hope to be able to see him on the field at some point get some recognition. I know he's kind of a, a – you know, kind of a quiet guy, stays to himself and doesn't want the attention, but he deserves the attention. He deserves to be out there on the field someday to, to a standing ovation. Um, I also want to mention uh, to a couple of our Redcast fans on, on Twitter, chill out a bit when, when Boomer adds Scott Frost to a poll. He does it to every single <laughs> poll. And this is on a note. I don't even know. It was probably a month ago, but I've just had it on a note. I wanted to bring it up at some point. I think it was something about, like, you know, who's going to be the next head coach at some other school, and it was – three garbage answers and then you know frost and people are like who the heck would put frost it's like chill out eat some dip boomer just does that all the time so don't, don't worry about it 
And my last thing is 2019 is going to be a great year for Nebraska athletics. I'm 100% convinced it starts with Penn State here in a couple nights with basketball, and uh, I am very excited about what 2019 brings. Excellent. Good stuff. Anybody see that on Twitter? I think it was like Matt Reddleson mentioned that he was in a class. It was like Solich's like granddaughter or something. And like there was some sort of Solich family curse that was thrown thrown upon <laughs> Husker Nation. And that since he's coming back, that may be lifted. That Yeah, that the curse was going to be there until the, the, the wrongs were righted within right. Nebraska football. And obviously Frost being back and everything, you know, that that. You know, the, the skies have cleared and they've opened right. up and, and, and we're Just ready guess. now. The culture <laughs> right. and everything, we are ready to, to get it back. So no I pressure, guess. Scott. So, yeah. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Well, he, he knows of the curse and that's why he wanted so much back in the fold. So yeah. brilliant. Uh, all right, Mac? I just want to wish the uh, Redcasters a happy New Year's and uh, I hope everyone's getting, uh, getting along well with their New Year's resolutions. Um, we're still hitting the gym or not hitting the fridge or whatever. Just, you know, in the back of your mind, if it's getting hard, just kind of think to yourself, well, you know, what would Scott Frost do? You know, and, and, and that should give you the kind of strength you need to keep pushing forward. <laughs> right. Or think of Honky's belly and think, no, I don't want to have that. <laughs> hey, I'm losing it, man. <laughs> All right, Honky's going to lose the belly. I want to see some, like, week-by-week by week progress. fall camp breaks, we'll see where the belly's at. That's That'd right. be awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, all right, Boomer. Uh, well, just uh, another two-parter. You know, hockey had several things to add, so did I. Uh, you know, with the uh, football season coming to a close, the nice bow on it, uh, we can all finally turn our full attention on uh, to getting a jumbo steam statue erected at uh, Memorial Stadium or some sort of recognition, and getting the Baron into the Hall of Fame, so we can turn our full attention to that. And uh, just another thing for you know Husker fans who are you know star for Husker Entertainment. Just remember, there are a heck of a lot of other sports that Nebraska plays that you have a great opportunity to go see. They're cheap, family friendly. I'm going to take the family to go watch a gymnastics meet. You know, here yeah. uh, just take advantage of these opportunities. We've got good sports teams that deserve support. They're not expensive. You know, heck, go watch bowling. You know, next time they have a bowling event here. You know, there's plenty of great ways to go out and enjoy Husker sports during this offseason. You don't have to spend the entire time, you know, worrying about a recruiting ranking or somebody, you know, a high schooler who's signing. Just, just take time to embrace all of Husker sports. Boomer, will you, will you live tweet from, uh, from oh, the uh, gymnastics? Sure. I was I at the wrestling bra- event this week. Oh, were you? So oh, nice. Yeah. I beat Northwestern in a duel. There you go. Well, speaking of wrestling, and I'm sorry to bring up another you know person who passed away, but Mean Gene Okerlund passed away, and he was a graduate of the University of Nebraska. I had he was no yeah, idea. Correct. Went to the journalism college here, correct? So absolutely. I went to the journalism college, and I didn't. <laughs> I so didn't you and Mean Gene Okerlund have something college. in common now, huh? Yeah. Once right. again, the university just fails to embrace its pro wrestling history, and it's just kind of sad. Michael, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, this is Campari and soda right now. So I, I finished my diplomat cocktail earlier. So. <laughs> I'm sure, sure that'll be tweeted out later. Uh, all right, boys, great show, great talking to you. I, I missed you, I really did. Uh, good to be back. Uh, we'll have a weekly show from here on out from uh, the rest of the sports season. Uh, let's call that a go big Redcast. Pete Penn State.